0: Let's all stand at this time. We're going to read God's Word, Romans chapter 1 and uh, verse 16. Very familiar passage tonight uh, that I'm going to use as a basis for a couple of messages, actually. uh, And uh, under the heading, The Revealing Gospel. The Revealing Gospel. You'll see why. For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ... For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For therein, that is in the gospel, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness, the revealing gospel. May God bless the reading of his word tonight. It's my prayer. You may be seated. Obviously, we can see in our passage tonight that this passage begins with the gospel. Uh, For I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. Can you say amen to that tonight? Aren't you thankful for the gospel of Jesus Christ? And it's important for us to look then at what the gospel is, and I want us to talk for a moment about what the about it, the plan itself, the plan of the gospel, and also the purpose and the power of the gospel. The plan of the gospel is very clearly articulated for us in First Corinthians chapter fifteen and verse three: "For I delivered unto you first of all that which also I received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures." And that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the scriptures, uh, the plan of the gospel. And that is very plainly spelled out for us Christ died for our sins, Christ died. When Jesus Christ was crucified so long ago on that bloody hill of Golgotha, it was your sin and mine that he had carried to that cross. It was not his, not his sin. He had none. It was our sins. How that Christ died for our sins uh, according to the scriptures. So that his death and becoming a cursed, where the Bible said, Cursed is every man that hangeth upon a tree. So that when Jesus was nailed to a tree, nailed to the cross, he took our curse. He was buried. We might not often think of the burial of Jesus Christ as being a part of the gospel, uh, but it was. He had to be buried. And the Bible says this exactly. He was buried. That he was buried then for three days and three nights. As Jonah was in the uh, belly of the whale for three days and three nights, Jesus said, so will the Son of Man be uh, in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. And uh, I know what you're thinking. It's hard to get that between Friday and Sunday. Yeah, Bible commentaries have been arguing over that. Uh, For at least the whole bulk of my life that I can look back on And uh, I've got my answers for it not going to give it all to to you tonight But uh, uh, I, I, I do believe that Jesus was indeed crucified on Friday The chronology of Mark's gospel is, in my opinion, irrefutable If you'll study it and look what Mark says This day, the next day, then two days later, the next day Mark makes it very plain Uh, That if the triumphal entry was on Sunday, and it was, uh, if Palm Sunday was Palm Sunday, (laughs) then it was, then Jesus had to die on Friday. According to Mark's gospel, it's clearly articulated. So you have to figure out then exactly what Jesus talked about, and I think you can. Um, But uh, that'll be a subject for another message tonight. Suffice it to say that he was buried. He was very uh, sincerely buried. The people who buried him knew they were burying a dead body. Uh, But amazingly, according to uh, Psalms, uh, the Holy One, the body of the Holy One, did not see corruption. Even in that uh, uh, Palestinian times, and even without embalming, yet. Jesus' body did not rot or decay. It was a miracle. You say, that? well, that's a miracle. Of course it was. Of course it was. Even while he was buried, a miracle of God was going on. The power of the gospel was at work. He died. He really died for our sins. He was buried. And thank God he rose again the third day. According to the scriptures. You see, that is the plan of the gospel. That God would accomplish our salvation through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And no one has ever been saved or will ever be saved that has not believed the essence of that truth. Christ died for my sins, he was buried, and he rose again the third day, according to the scriptures. That is the plan of the gospel. We also are told in the New Testament about the purpose of the gospel. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 8 is a very marvelous passage about the purpose of the gospel. Where Paul said to his young protege, Timothy, "...be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God." Who hath saved us. That is God. God has saved us and called us. With the holy calling. Not according to our works. But according to his own purpose and grace. Which was given us in Christ Jesus. Before the world began. But is now made manifest. By the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ. Who hath abolished death. And hath brought life and immortality to light. Through the gospel. The purpose At the gospel. And Paul told Timothy. Reminded him. No doubt he had heard him preach. About this many times before. But he tells us. Tells him again. That God has saved us. And called us. That this was not on the basis of our works. That is our salvation did not come. Because of our works. But it came according to his own purpose and grace. Given us in Christ Jesus. Jesus. Before the world began. The purpose. Of our salvation. That God had a purpose. According to his own purpose. And grace. And Paul wraps all of that purpose up. In a simple expression. That you'll find all over his writings. In Christ Jesus. According to his own purpose and grace. Which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. You see, tonight, uh, the the whole concept and plan of the gospel was not some afterthought. It was not an add-on. It was not a plan B that God somehow added on. And I've told you before and quoted John Phillips many times, Where he said that God the Holy Spirit met in the council halls of eternity, and there the determination was made among the Godhead, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, that uh, he would move in creation, knowing full well that if he moved in creation, he would also have to move in redemption. And there he said, in that council of eternity, it was known God the Son. Your Savior and mine, Jesus Christ, would be the one who would take on that task. Who would pay the price. Who would go to the cross, suffer, be buried. Suffer, die, be buried, rise again. But it wasn't just our salvation, you see, that was put into into that purpose. Because that purpose included our being in Christ Jesus. See, when Paul would talk about that to the church at Ephesus in Ephesians chapter 1 and 2, as he begins to lay out that incredible argument, goes all the way over into chapter 3. In chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 10, and I don't have this up here, just listen. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 10, uh, Paul talked about, and this was told us when I went to seminary, that this was the, the key to understanding the whole Bible because it is in a capsule form, uh, the statement of the redemptive purpose of God in Christ. In Ephesians 1:10, the Bible says that in the dispensation of the fullness of times, he that's God might gather together in one, all things in Christ, both of which are in heaven and, are, and on earth, even in him. all in Christ. all in Christ. Now, Paul would return to that in Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 6 and 5, 4, 5, and 6, where he's talking about how that he had stated this mystery to them before in few words. And that's where he'd stated it before. That was in verse 10 of Ephesians 1. I'm going to state this to you in just a few words, capsule form. And there it was all in Christ. But now in Ephesians 3, 6, he lays the whole thing out. That the Gentiles would be fellow heirs of the same body and partakers of the promise, that is, the promise of the Holy Spirit in Christ. You see, the mystery was not that there would be salvation. There's always been a plan of salvation, always been a plan of redemption, and it's always been by grace through faith. That that plan really has never changed. It's always been by believing in the, the Old Testament saints believed on the coming Messiah. We look back on his return on this side. But it's still the same thing. We're saved by faith. So, so salvation wasn't anything that was hidden. Something new that had to be revealed. No, that wasn't what was happening. But there was something that was a mystery. Something that hadn't been revealed. And that was that whole relationship known as being in Christ Jesus. Jesus. That would be in Christ. And Christ would be in us. Where before the Old Testament saints were chosen in Abraham. And that emphasized their physical birth. And therefore the physical act of circumcision. But now something's changed. Now it's not the first birth anymore. It's what? It's the new birth of course. And there in that new birth. Spiritual birth. Comes this new relationship. So that we're no longer... In Abraham, that that that's not it. But we're in Christ, and that the Jew and the Gentile would come together, and we would all be one in Christ Jesus. That does not mean, not at all mean, as so many suggest today, that God doesn't still have a plan and purpose for Israel. Of course, He does. All you have to do is is just read the Bible, and you'll see that. Read the Book of Revelation; it's there. Yes. Uh, God has a plan for national Israel. There's a whole lot of promises that have to be fulfilled, and God is going to fulfill every single one of them in Jesus Christ. So I'm not not talking about that. Yes, in in a way, yes, God has a plan for national Israel. And uh, he may be carrying that plan out a lot more quickly than a lot of people think. And if it's so, then I can say tonight with all of my heart, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come quickly. And so that that purpose that God had all along, a purpose that was established before time began, a purpose that included His grace, was a purpose that is wrapped up in that phrase, in Christ Jesus So that everything, every spiritual blessing, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 3, comes to us in Christ Jesus. And God's purpose and God's plan in saving us. And in uniting then the Jew and the Gentile, separated by the impassable barrier of God's own law. And yet they're going to be brought together and made one in Christ Jesus And this was God's plan all along. But he tells us, as far as the purpose of the gospel is, that it's now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and hath brought life and immortality. Don't you like the sound of that word tonight? Life and immortality to light through what? Yeah, the gospel. The gospel. I could talk about that all night and throw a thousand more scriptures at you probably before I got done. But y'all all go to sleep and you got to work tomorrow. So I'll, uh, I'll move on. There's, there's the plan of the gospel that uh, Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That he was buried. That he rose again the third day according to the scriptures. The purpose of the gospel summarized as he so often did in that simple phrase of in Christ Jesus. So that through the glorious doctrine of our union with Christ. We are in Christ and Christ is in us. And this is a a relationship of service and work. And all the other things that goes along with it. Of being a part of his church. On equal footing with, with the Jew and the Gentile. Available to all. By faith. Which brings us of course to our passage in Romans chapter one and verse sixteen, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. If I if I had a, a, a big eraser that I could use on my own mind and on the minds of everybody else, I I would like to somehow be able to erase an idea that has Percolated in the religious world now for about 500 years, theological circles it's known as double predestination. It is the idea that God has chosen some people to be saved and some people to be lost. That is on both sides of the equation. Some people are going to be saved no matter what, and God has chosen them and picked them. Uh, some are going to be lost, and 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 God has done all that choosing, and and man then becomes. Uh, a person without any will, any belief, any ability to believe. The argument is presented on the basis of our spiritual deadness. Because after all, those who are lost are said, like Paul said very clearly in Ephesians chapter 2, they're dead in trespasses and sins. And the question is, how can a dead man believe? How can a dead person believe? And therefore, on the basis of his Election and the basis of his grace and the basis of his sovereignty, then God chooses some and he regenerates them, that is, he saves them. And as a result of that, then they can believe because that's the only way a dead person can believe. That's how the argument goes. But, folk, I, this ignores the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So tonight, you see, we can look not only at the, the, the plan of the gospel so clearly articulated in 1 Corinthians 15 and the purpose of the gospel, uh, which is to create a, a people who are one in Christ Jesus, make that way so that uh, life and immortality could be brought to light through the gospel, so that death could be abolished God's eternal purpose could play out. In the lives of people and the power that makes it happen is the power of the gospel. A power so great that even the dead can be moved by it. How do I know that? Because the Bible says it. Jesus said it. John chapter 5 and verse 25, you might want to jot that down in your notes and give it a little study sometime. The Bible says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, the hour is coming and now is when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. That's John 5, 25. When the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God and they that hear shall live. What a glorious introduction. Uh, to the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul goes on then to introduce us to these great concepts of how that righteousness of God is revealed, and it's revealed from faith to faith. It is written, the just shall live by faith. And so we can hear the truth of the gospel, the power that is inherent in it, a power that is provided by The Holy Spirit of God. For Jesus said, no one can come to me except the Father should draw him. And the way that God draws us is through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we put these things together. It is the truth of the gospel as it is energized by the the power of the Holy Spirit that calls out to those who are dead in trespasses and sins. And we then, (laughs) we then can, not everybody does, But we can then believe that under that power. Where does the power come from? Is it something we invent ourselves? No. It is the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's a great illustration of it. I've used it many times. Remember when Jesus told the man who had a withered hand to stretch forth his hand? You know, when you've got a withered hand, that's the one thing you can't do is stretch your hand out. But isn't it amazing when Jesus told him to stretch forth his hand? What could he do? He (laughs) stretched forth his hand. With the command came the power to obey it. The power of the gospel tells us that we must repent and believe the gospel. We know what the gospel is. Repent and believe. Repent and believe. That's what the Bible tells us to do. But all but we're dead in trespass and sin, we can't do it. No, we can't. But by the power of the Holy Spirit, then we can indeed respond in faith but sadly not everybody who is convicted by the Spirit of God, not everybody who hears the gospel will be saved. So while we can believe the gospel and receive it, lost people can also reject it. And according to Jesus Christ. The majority is on the side of those who reject. Broad is the way, he said, that leads to destruction. And many there be that find it. And so, when when we look at the gospel then in our text tonight, the revealing gospel, we, we understand its plan and its purpose and its power How does it reveal then God's righteousness? And that's what he said, verse 17. Therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. In verse 21 of Romans chapter 3, Paul will go on to say this But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe. For there is no difference, the righteousness of God without the law. Uh, The Old Testament saints uh, had come to believe that the righteousness was of faith, but the law was added because of transgressions, and therefore righteousness was by faith, but also by keeping the law. But now the righteousness of God without the law is revealed. For he says in verse 23 then of Romans 3, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood to declare his righteousness for the remissions of sin that are past through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say, at this time his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believes in Jesus how can a person be right before God how can we live right before God and the answer is by faith through the gospel it's why the righteousness of God is now revealed from faith to faith because the only way to be right and to live right in the sight of God to experience the righteousness of God is revealed It's revealed in the gospel, gospel, which begins in faith, for by grace, are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves. And that, that in that passage is the salvation. That salvation is not of ourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast, but it also continues in faith. But therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. That is, that we start out in faith, we believe, and then we continue. We live by faith. And uh, the just shall live by faith. And then, thank God, it's also going to end in faith. Verse 13, these all of Hebrews chapter 11, these all died in faith, not having received the promises. So that this righteousness of God has two sides, really. How to be right with God. And we do that by faith in the gospel. And then how to live right before God. And we do that by faith in the gospel. (laughs) For the just shall live by faith. I, I mentioned that big eraser I wish I had. Something that I could erase out of our minds. And I wish that I could erase out of the minds of Christianity uh, the idea of double predestination as it has been presented and an idea that is spreading like wildfire around our world today and among Christians, uh, that God decides everything, that God is so sovereign that man has really no choice, no ability to believe, Our faith is supplemental. God chooses us. I wish I could erase that from our minds because it's really bad theology. It gives us a flawed view of the gospel and it gives us really a flawed view of God. It goes all the way back to election. I don't have time to preach all of that today and how it means. But right here in this passage tonight, Paul gives us some important truth about the plan of the gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. The purpose of the gospel. And that purpose is all wrapped up in Jesus Christ. So that because we're saved, we can be in Christ and Christ can be in us. And this isn't something just for the Jewish people. But it's for everyone who believes on Jesus Christ. Everyone. Male or female. Jew or Gentile. Everyone. Is going to be in Christ and have Christ in them. Be fellow heirs, join heirs with Christ and recipients of the promise, the promise of the Holy Spirit and the power and all the blessing and fullness that come to us through the Holy Spirit, that all of that would come to us on an equal basis for everybody who believes in Jesus Christ. That was the purpose and God purposed that from the very beginning. You want to say God elected that? That's fine. That's what election is all about. God put this plan down in place. And it is a plan that he has established and he's working out. But it doesn't mean that God is choosing this one and saying, man, it's bad to be you. No. No you're going to be saved whether you want to or not and you're not ever going to be saved and all that decision already made i wish i could race that out of your mind it'd make scripture a lot easier to understand and i wouldn't have to stand up here and try to uh, spell all this out for you like this uh, if we could just understand then wipe that out and put it in its place god had a purpose And that purpose is in Christ Jesus. And we can be in Christ. Christ can be in us. And the key is will we believe? So I ask you tonight. The Bible tells us, and it does, Jesus said, Repent and believe the gospel. Have you repented of your sins and believe the gospel? Have you received Jesus Christ as your Savior by faith? I'm not going to ask you tonight if you'd asked Jesus in your heart. I'm not going to ask you tonight if you'd joined the church. I'm not going to ask you tonight if you'd been baptized or if your parents had you baptized. I'm asking you tonight, have you believed on the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Have you believed? Have you trusted Him? Asking Him? Calling on Him? To be your savior. Have you believed? Because that. That. Is what will put us in Christ Jesus. And that. Is what has Christ. Living in us. By faith. Paul summed it up best. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless I live. Yet not I. But Christ liveth in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by what? The faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Yeah. Let's stand together, please.